Listen for the Gospel of the Lord. This morning we're reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. So one of my favorite movies is by Steve Martin. If you don't remember the name Steve Martin, he was a stand-up comic. He spent some time on Saturday Night Live, and then he wrote, directed, produced, and starred in a whole series of different movies over the years. Now, the movie I'm thinking of that's one of my favorites is Romantic Comedy. It came out all the way back in 1987. But it was based on a play that was written a hundred years before that, Cyrano de Bergerac. Well, the name of the movie when it came out in 1987 was Roxanne. It follows the exploits of a small town fire chief and those in the small community in which he lived. He is a witty and creative, kind person. Everyone in town likes him. But his distinguishing characteristic beyond that is he has a nose a very large nose. You might say the most prominent thing you would see when meeting him or seeing him coming down the street. Well, the story follows this community when a young woman, a beautiful and bright young woman played by Daryl Hannah comes to town. She is an astronomer and she's there for the summer to do research. Well, she turns the heads of all the eligible men in the community. But the only person she has eyes for, so to speak, is another firefighter who's a hulk of a guy. He is something to look at, but really not much more. He has not developed a suave and creative brain that the fire chief has done. But she has eyes for him. But when he tries to speak to her, he's dumbfounded. He does not have very much to say. Well, through a course of events, the fire chief ends up writing letters romantic and eloquent letters to the young astronomer expressing his own feelings but then he lets the hulk sign them it's a misguided plan no doubt but that is what continues to happen until finally the young astronomer finds out who's been writing the letter she realizes she has been duped and she is none too happy about it the next time she sees the fire chief they have it out she probably feeling embarrassed, humiliated, but for sure she is angry. And they begin to yell at each other on her front porch. 
At one point, she is so fed up with him, she goes in the house and slams the door in his face. He's now standing on the porch alone. He yells through the door, Ten more seconds and I'm leaving. She opens the door and says, What did you say? And he said, Ten more seconds and I'm leaving. And she starts to close the door again. He says, Wait, what did you think I said? She says, I thought you said, Earn more sessions by sleeving. He says, what does that mean? She said, I don't know. That's why I opened the door. Well, misunderstanding and confusion reign, not only in that scene or that movie, but it happens sometimes in our own lives where we're trying to communicate with someone else, but there's too much misunderstanding. We don't understand what the other person is saying, and we just want to scream like she did, what did you say? That's sort of like the disciples in this passage. They're not understanding what Jesus is saying. John is very blunt with this. In verse 6, after Jesus has been speaking, John just writes, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. The disciples simply don't understand. Now, often in the Gospels, the disciples are portrayed as being a little bit slow, being dumbfounded, not understanding what Jesus is saying when he's talking about it. But in this particular case, it seems like this is partly Jesus' fault. He seems to be mixing his metaphors. He's using more than a single image as he's talking to them. Now, certainly John is the gospel which uses the most symbolic language. He uses more images and metaphors for Jesus and the revelation of what Jesus, what God is trying to say to us through Jesus than any of the other gospels. But in this passage, Jesus says that he is both the shepherd and the gate. Listen to a couple of verses, the first two verses. Jesus is speaking and says, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. But then if we jump down to verse 7, so again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. For the sheep. But then, if we jump to verse 11, which is right after where we stopped reading, Jesus says flatly, I am the good shepherd. So he's using gate, he's talking about gatekeepers, he's talking about being the gate and or the shepherd. So, who am I to criticize Jesus? But it does seem a little confusing here in terms of what Jesus wants us to think about or focus on or how we're to understand what he's saying well there's a third image that's used in this passage and i think really it is the key for us to understanding what this is all about this morning and the image is that of the voice listen again i'll begin reading in verse 2 the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Because they know his voice. 
Do you recognize the voice of the shepherd? Do you recognize the voice of Christ calling you or speaking to you, leading you in your life? That is the key. They know his voice. They recognize his voice. And so they follow him. The gospel says then he goes out in front of us. He's out ahead of us calling us to follow. And those who know the voice follow him. I began to think about my own life and wonder when did I begin to recognize the voice? I think I began to recognize it for myself about middle school. I think both in Sunday school and worship, I had grown up in the church, so I was there every Sunday with my family. But I think during middle school, I began to listen more carefully. I began to sense a clear call, you could say. It was also the first opportunity. I had opportunity to go away with kids my own age over to our United Methodist Camp Egan. I can remember sitting in the outdoor tabernacle on these hard wooden benches, listening to leaders talking about being a follower of Jesus, reminding us to read our Bibles, to listen, to be in prayer, to try to understand what God had intended for us, where God was leading us, what we might be able to do with our lives. I began to think, maybe that's me. Maybe I can be a faithful follower of Christ. By the time I was in senior high school, I was still thinking about this, but it had progressed. I was beginning to sense maybe God is calling me into full-time ministry. I began to think maybe God had given me gifts. I went to my pastor and began to share with, I had different pastors during high school, shared with each of them what I was thinking. Maybe God's calling me. They were very affirming and encouraging. I spoke with my youth directors, my Sunday school teachers, so many different adults surrounding me who were helping me identify gifts God had given me and saying to me they believed God could be calling me. They sort of affirmed that I was hearing the voice and encouraging me to respond, to follow I think by then I could recognize the voice. It was the voice of kindness and goodness. It was the voice of love and grace, of blessing. It was humbling to experience a call into ministry, to feel like God wanted me and had something he could use me for, for good in the world. And of course, it was also challenging to figure out how do you discern that? What decisions need to be made? how I could be faithful in my responses as I grew through my young adult years. I'm still trying to follow that voice. What about you? It's an ongoing experience to discern the will of God, to hear the voice of Christ calling us. Now, for me, it was never an audible voice. It was more a sense in my heart or a thought in my mind. Maybe when reading Scripture or reading another book, often it happened for me when I was in a group of Christians and we were talking about faith and our role as followers of Christ. I would sense a tugging on my heart or a prompting to continue to move in a particular direction, to continue my education, to continue my studies, that kind of thing. But what voices have the most influence in your life right now? That's the question I'm hoping you'll grapple with some this morning. Or what voices are you listening to? What voices are you giving most prominence to in your life? When I talk to people, I find that some are giving it to politicians or newscasters or talk show hosts. 
Others are giving it to a voice in their minds. That's from a parent or a grandparent who helped shape their faith when they were young. Others responding to the, what they think is the voice of Christ is often just an impulse of something they want to do, and they mistake it for a calling. I remember when I was serving in another church, a young man came to talk to me. He did not go to our church, but his parents did. He had been attending another church in town. At that church, their youth director had been admonishing them to listen for the voice of Jesus and then to do whatever they felt in their heart and sell out for Jesus. It sounds all right on the surface, but this young man's friend, when they were seniors in high school, had a girlfriend. Their family had moved to the West Coast, so he missed her. When he graduated from high school, he said, I think God's calling me to go find her. Without talking to anyone else, without making really good plans, he packed up his car and headed cross country. You can imagine how that turned out. Not real well, not to give too many details, but it was a disaster. Now, this young man I was talking to was good friends with the young man who had driven cross-country. When he came back, the young man I was talking to saw the hurt, the pain, and the confusion. He felt misled by his youth director, and so he had decided there was no God. Now, that's an extreme response, I think. But it illustrates for us how easily when we're trying to discern the voice of God in our lives and be a follower of Christ, misunderstanding and confusion can take hold and lead us down the wrong path. As United Methodists, we would counsel a young person or any person a little differently. We would remind them that we have a fourfold frame or filter that help us discern the voice of Christ or discern the will of God in terms of our own lives. I've put in your outline, we would counsel someone like this. Consult scripture, tradition, experience, and use your reason in a community of faith. Remember last week's sermon and the text we were reading reminded us how important it is to be with a group of people. When two or three are gathered in my name, we remember Jesus said, I will be there. The community of faith is critical in all of this. I wondered what would have happened for that young man who packed up his car and went cross country without talking with anybody if he had only had a group of mature Christians to sit down with and he could share his impulse and perhaps they could help him discern maybe that wasn't his best choice, that maybe Christ's call is not going to be chiefly about human romance that maybe some other factors need to come into play what if he would have had somebody say let's look in the book of galatians where paul lists the fruits of the spirit as compared to the passions of the flesh and ask him is this journey marked by agape love joy peace patience goodness faithfulness Humility and self-control? That might have been helpful. 
I think it could have helped him avoid the heartache and the pain and the disaster that he experienced because discerning the will of God, hearing the voice of Christ is done best in a community of faith, using the resources of faith that we have, like the scripture, like our Christian experience and tradition on which we can draw. Well, Jesus ends this passage in verse 10. At least we stopped reading there. The passage is longer. But I want to read you that last phrase that we read this morning. It said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I'm not against human romance. For many of us, that's the most fulfilling part of our human experience can be finding a life partner. But our calling in Christ is not chiefly going to be about romance. You'll have trouble finding abundant life described as romance in the scriptures or in Christian tradition. So much more about service to others, filling our lives with agape love, receiving the love of God and sharing it for others for the well-being or the goodness of your community or other people in it. Hard to find any calling that's about becoming worldly wealthy or romantic or something like that in the Scripture. Jesus says it's going to look like this in verse 9. Whoever enters by me will be saved, that is made whole or healed, and will come in and go out and find pasture. So they're using the metaphor of sheep, but it has to do with nourishing body and soul. This calling of Christ is going to have to do with the fullness of life, the abundance of life, but it will have a whole lot to do with what's wholesome, what makes your life whole or full, how you can receive the love of God in its fullness and then share it with somebody else. Well, these are guides, this fourfold path, these fruits of the Spirit you can read about in Galatians are guides for us as we're trying to discern the path of Christ. Now, if you find yourself cranky or quarrelsome or in a fight all the time, or you're eaten up by envy or jealousy, or you're in a rage every day, it's probably not the path of Christ, right? There's probably some work to be done. I put a question in the outline. What is the predominant pattern in my life? That is the thing to discern. What path am I on? What voices am I listening to? Am I using the resources of the faith? And am I using the people in my community of faith to help me move along so that I might truly know this abundant life which Christ talks about? Do you remember the name Cynthia Rigby? Dr. Cynthia Rigby? She was our Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer in 2020. It seems like a lifetime ago. The pandemic hit shortly after she was here and so much chaos and disruption. But I was looking at her book again the other day that she shared with us. It was called Holding Faith. It's all about thinking better as Christians and discerning, learning the important theological doctrines and what's important and what's at the heart of the Christian faith. But she says it's so hard, she thinks, these days because she called it 
and overextended American culture keeps us so busy, or if we're not busy, we're so tired from being busy that we ignore these important tasks of living the Christian faith. She quotes lots of different theologians in her book. She reminds us of one deep thinker who shares great wisdom with us. You may know the name, Winnie the Pooh. She asked, do you remember how Winnie the Pooh used to go to his thoughtful spot in order to think in the most thoughtful way he could think? She reminds us that it's a place between his house and piglets where they would meet to ponder difficult questions together. Then she asked us, do you have a thoughtful spot in your world, a place where you can go to think to pray, to read, to ponder the practical significance of, she says, Christian doctrine, I would say Christian life. She goes on to say, it seems to me that with the portability of computers and reading devices, it should be relatively easy to find a place to think. It might even be the public space of a coffee shop. But then she says this to us, more difficult perhaps is making the effort on a day or in a week when it seems we have absolutely nothing extra to give. That is our challenge, carving out time to listen, to be like the sheep who know the voice and are ready to follow when we're called by name. The good news here, though, I want you to remember, the good news is we have a guide. We have a shepherd. The shepherd's calling you by name. The path the shepherd's leading us on is one that leads to abundant life. So let's be sure we're following close behind, doing all we can to be on the path because it is the path to life, life eternal and life abundant. Amen. And thanks be to God.